It has happened. Zach Wilson has been benched. Mike White will start for the New York Jets on Sunday. Joe Flacco's the backup, and Zach Wilson is inactive. Coach Sala did it right. We'll break down the decision for the Jets to make a change at quarterback and where they go from here. We look ahead to Sunday's matchup with the Bears. Can the Jets win and get to seven and four with Mike White at the helm? And Darrell Revis goes in the ring of honor Sunday. So why not have him on the podcast? That's right. The future Hall of Famer Jets legend Darrell Revis is going to join us for an interview that you do not want to miss. It's all coming up on a busy Thanksgiving edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ooh, welcome back to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside Brian Costello. Special episode for you for Thanksgiving. Jets Ring of Honor member. He'll get in on Sunday. Future Hall of Famer. One of the greats to ever do it. One of my favorite all-time football players. Darrell Revis will join us in about 15 minutes on the second half of this show. We were hoping this show would basically be a simple Jets-Bears preview and a Darrell Revis interview. And now the the Jets have flipped us upside down, Kaz, as we waited to record this to Wednesday, and rightfully so. You called it. The quarterback decision will be made. It's been made. Mike White will start for the Jets against the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Zach Wilson is not the backup quarterback. Joe Flacco is. Zach Wilson is inactive. And I called this in uh, SMY head. I did yesterday. I said, you should make this guy inactive. Cause I thought Sol and company have made the right decision here. I think Zach Wilson, you know, you point to first and foremost, his play on the field. It's unacceptable. Both games against the Patriots have been dreadful. This could be an eight and two football team. Potentially. I don't want to go down that route, but you know, this team could have won one or two more games. Both games against the Pats sucked. His answers after the game sucked. He rubbed people the wrong way, cause I don't want to hear that those tweets were accidentally liked by Sauce and JFM. No one accidentally likes tweets hating on their quarterback. I think there, there a lot of guys are mad at him to the point where Salah said in the presser, he said maybe there's a little irritation in the locker room at the moment, but I don't think there's hate. And you had to make this decision. Mike White on Sunday. Good job here by the Jets, Kaz. Your thoughts and, you know, reflecting on what you heard from Sala and LaFleur in Wednesday's press conferences. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like it's been a long time coming, Jake. And I know everyone, their knee-jerk reaction is always his comments. I, I really don't think the comments were that were what what did it. I think everyone inside the Jets kind of knew what, what, what he was saying. And, yes, they were, were they annoyed Sunday night? A hundred percent. But I think... You know, Zach did address the team. I think they know where he's coming from. I think they're okay with him. Uh, but the play has just been so poor. And, you know, Sal has been defending him left and right for the last month, it feels like. And even when they were winning, Jake, and on winning streak, we kept talking about it. Well, like at some point, they're going to need Zach Wilson to win them a game, Kenny. 
And that game was Sunday and they couldn't, they couldn't run the ball against the Patriots and he couldn't do it. So I think they just looked at it and said, all right, we, we got to do something here. They've talked about his fundamentals, just getting totally messed up. Uh, Mike LaFleur said it's his lower half. So it's, it sounds like it's his footwork has not been what they wanted. They basically need to get him in the shop, so to speak, and, and give him a tune up. And, you know, he's going to be the third string quarterback. So he's going to be running the scout team and doing that work and they'll they'll be working with him in practice to try to get him back on track and i i did think it's interesting robert salas said the intention is for him to play again this season so they they do have that obviously they're putting that out there you know if mike white goes on a winning streak here that'd be hard to do but if if white loses a few games maybe you'll see wilson again and it's hard to judge everything on sunday when you're going up against one of the worst defense in the nfl and the bears so listen mike white could have a similar game to what he did against the Bengals last year against the Bengals 37 for 45 405 yards three touchdowns now he had to throw again 44 times against the Bills that was a, a different Jets team less talent you know not the same roster not as good of a defense uh, you're not expecting Mike White to have to throw the ball 40 times ever <laughs> the rest of the way however many starts he makes you're hoping they cap that 25 30 with this run game but I think this was the only decision to be made you had to send this kid a message you know, that play is unacceptable. The way you're carrying yourself around the, the locker room is unacceptable. The way you're speaking to the media about no one knows nothing outside the building. Like you said, Kaz, we know 77 yards sucks. And you can't keep trotting this kid out there. You had to send a message. You know, maybe this lights a fire under him and uh, he, he can get going. If this doesn't, I don't know what does. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Mike White. I, th I think you're going to see here the competent quarterback play and a good defense winning you games. Now, you beat Chicago, and then you go from there because then you got Minnesota, you got Buffalo. The schedule gets a lot tougher, but this is a must-win game. We talked about Lions, Jaguars, Bears being the three games. You got a shoe in his wins. That gets you to nine, and then you win one of either Buffalo, Miami, or Seattle. You win one of those, and that gets you to 10 and gets you in the playoffs. So, We'll see. I, I'm excited to see Mike White, man. I think this is the right move. I'm glad they got it right. I think this could have been an absolute nightmare if they threw Zach out there with this situation right now. And I know a lot of people want to say, why not throw him out there against the Bears? They have a bad defense. Give him a chance to rebound. I think that would just send the wrong message to the defense and the rest of the guys who are pissed off at him. And cause, I mean, the Patriots, they've broken the Jets. We had the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. We had Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. And now Zach Wilson benched. What do you see as the outlook of the future here? I mean, he's got four years, 35 million guaranteed. So he's probably still going to be the quarterback, but mm, I think there's going to be a free agent signed in the offseason, Jake. Um, you Jimmy, know, Jimmy, Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo makes the most sense, but who knows what's going to happen in San Francisco if they go to the Super Bowl. It'd be hard for them to let Jimmy walk away, even if they have Trey Lance. So, but if Jimmy hits the market, he makes the most sense. The coaching staff knows him, they like him. Uh, I could see them saying, you know, oh, you know, Zach can compete for the job or, or something in the summer. But, you you, you know, knowing that Jimmy's going to be the quarterback. So you think they would because Jimmy's not going to be cheap. He's going to be, you know, probably 12 million plus a year. Well, this isn't changing, though, Jake, right where you're at right now with this whole, OK, the Jets have a good defense. They have a roster that can win right now. That should only get better next year. Right. Like next year was the year they were supposed to compete. That was so. The, if you feel like you're a quarterback away right now, that's not changing unless Zach comes in for the last, I mean, how many games do you need to see, Jake? Like, because again, December can be deceiving with these quarterbacks. I don't know if he what he could do this season to convince you that he's the guy at this point. So if, if you're now saying we need a different quarterback to win, 
I don't see how you feel differently come March, you know? Yeah, they have to bring in competition. They never did. I mean, Mike White, Joe Flacco and Mike White is not legit competition. Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, man. I mean, you him in New York City, I think, is just a match made in heaven. The guy's already a model. He's just so handsome. The suits, the, the, the looks, I mean, he's a guy who wins with a great defense and playing smart. I mean, the 49ers could win it. Like you said, if they win a title, I don't know how they just let Jimmy Garoppolo walk. I mean, right, and he knows the offense. It's the same offense. So he walks into this offense already knowing it. I mean, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. So um, it probably won't happen, but it, may, it just makes so much sense, Jake. Why do you say that? Why do you, Cause, why because do it makes you too much, it makes so much sense. I'm just kidding. I mean, like usually things that usually like you're like, oh, you know, when you, when you try to predict these things, it does doesn't usually go the way you, you think it's going. It's just too logical. Yeah, and the other name floating around there, if the Raiders are rebuilding, is Carr. Now, does that intrigue you at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but yeah, I, I just don't know if he's a fit completely um, for this offense. I'd have to think back of the offenses he's played in. Obviously, the Gruden offense is a lot different. The McDaniel's offense is a lot different. And I forget who is there with Del Rio, but yeah, it, it would intrigue you. I, I, just, I don't know, you know, all the different names, but you know, yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be another off season of quarterback stories. I mean, what a year. I mean, you, you thought you were in for just a, a nice normal year. The jets start winning all of a sudden the Patriots break. I've never, I've never, ever, ever, I've never, never normal year. ever, ever experienced a normal year, Jake. Let's get that straight. There's never been a normal year. I don't know what that looks like. This could be only your second winning season if they do win nine games since being full time on the beat, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is big. And, yes, uh, and I still am waiting to cover my first playoff game as the Jets beat writer. Well, hopefully it's in January with Mike White at quarterback. Now you tweeted it, and a couple other guys did. You were surprised by this. This, this I was. I thought. I thought he was sending a message Monday saying like, "Hey, this guy's not on scholarship anymore." You know, we're considering it, but then I thought they'd go, okay, let's give Zach a half against Chicago, against a bad defense, see if he can get himself straight. And then if it was a disaster at halftime, make the change. So, yeah, I was surprised. I thought that was the way they were going to go. Yeah. And I, I don't buy into them saying that, uh, you know, the re- stuff after the game didn't play a part. Clearly, guys, defensive players probably came and saw, like, what are we doing here? I might be a small part, Jake, but it's, he threw for 70. He's in for 77 yards. Of yeah, course. Like, but I think I think Sala, I think Sala watched the game back on the plane ride home and said, like, you know, what are we doing? Like what like remember, he's a defensive guy at heart. So I think he I think he had to I think he, he had to do that. So. Well, something you told me and I had no idea. Zach is in the press conference room in the back watching this all go down. When Sala was talking, yeah, not always. It's not always the case, but so so usually the way it works is you know, Sala they they have a 10 minute cooling off period after the game, and then Sala comes out and meets the media in a press conference room, and then Zach goes immediately after Sala. So if he's ready, like, and you've seen him, he comes out in pads, like he doesn't shower before he does it. So he he's ready to go. So he he'll sometimes be in the room when Sal is speaking and he was Sunday, he was in the back of the room. So I don't think that went over too well with him hearing all the questions about himself. Like that's gotta be tough to listen to. And especially when you're walk, you're walking off the football field. So I think he was emotional when he got behind that microphone already. And then he reacted poorly to that one question. And, you know, I think, Jake, I think it has something to do with the media. Um, it's not one spe- – I know some people are all one specific media member. It's not one specific media member. I think he just – I think he doesn't feel like he needs to explain himself to reporters sometimes and doesn't feel like 
we know what we're talking about. Like he's expressed that. So I think that was the thought behind no when he said no about the defense. I don't think he truly believes that. I mean, the guy's smart enough to know he didn't do enough to win that game on Sunday. So you don't think it was uh, in relation to someone that rhymes with Bonner Buse uh, with, with Zach? Because I know Jets Twitter is is thinking that, and I would love to see Zach Wilson and Connor Hughes in a room together. Have I think it was more just general the media, you know, guys. Sometimes guys don't realize they're speaking to their teammates when they're up there. They're not just speaking to the people that are in the room. Well, listen, you guys are doing a terrific job. You and Connor and everyone. Covering another wacky season. Well, the Jets have to play football Sunday. They'll do it with Mike White to go up against the three and eight Bears. 1 p.m. Sunday, Fox, Joe Davis, Daryl Johnson, the college Jets for once, our favorites. Mm. <laughs> Is this the first time? They were actually they actually ended up being favored against Denver, Jake, that morning. Right. Remember, because the beginning they weren't favored, then Russell Wilson didn't play. So the morning of the game, they became favorites. All right, the Jets five-point favorites. It's Darrell Rivas Day. He's going to join us on Gangs All Here in just a few minutes. All right, one of the worst defenses in the league versus one of the best defenses in the league, and the Jets need to establish the ground game again. Do not make Mike White throw it 40 times like he did in a couple of those games. Listen, I know Mike White's last game was terrible. His first game was great. Against the Colts, he was great, but then he got hurt. He came in in the second half or the end of the first half against the Patriots. So he's really only had two legitimate start to finishes, one great, one terrible. He's a mixed bag. Kaz, Jets five-point favorites. Do they go seven and four? Break the game down. Make your prediction. I have a feeling you're finally going to take the Jets. Oh, wow. You think I'm that big of a Mike White fan? Is that what it yes. is, Jake? Huh. <laughs> This is this is a big one. They got they they got to keep pace here. You know they're they're right now on the outside looking in the playoffs, but there's a bunch of teams there kind of all together, and uh, two of their AFC rivals play on Thanksgiving, so they'll go into this game kind of knowing where they're at in the division. You know something's getting underplayed, Jake. You just touched on a bit. The the running game was non-existent Sunday against the Patriots. I, I think with all the focus on the quarterback, there should be some worry too about getting this offensive line. Back healthy, getting the running game going, finding something. They really miss Brees Hall. So I'd be concerned about that. But I'm picking the Jets. Wow. I think Mike White's going to have a good game. I think the Bears stink. Uh, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to play. I, you know, obviously he, he adds a dimension if he plays. But what's the spread, Jake? Five. I think it's going to be I, have, I, haven't, I haven't figured out the, the score I'm going to go with. But I will say Jets 30. Whoa. Bears 20. Wow. Kaz is giving the Jets 30 points. I expect a defensive touchdown in there. Unless Mike White just has a party. and uh, Mike effing White. Mike effing White, baby. Oh, man. I hope he kills it and starts the rest of the season. And listen, if, if, there's, a, if there's a sack or something, he goes down. We're back to Joe Flacco. And this season continues to get weirder and weirder. How about this, Jake? The three quarterbacks have all been the third string quarterback at some point this season healthy, right? They've all like, yeah, at the start of the year, White was the back, it was the number three. Or no, actually, you know, sorry, Zach was when Zach was injured, and then Zach comes back, White was the number three. Then they made the change and Flacco was the number three. And now Zach is the number three. Healthy. A wild year indeed. And of course, I'm taking the goddamn Jets. Listen, the Bears. 
battling injuries, Fields, it would be not wise to play him when you're three and eight. I think they should sit him for a game. Khalil Herbert, the other running back, is on IR, so it's going to be the David Montgomery show. They're not stacked at receiver. They got Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet's been okay as a tight end. They don't have a ton of targets. They're going to run a lot with Montgomery, especially if Simi is the quarterback and if Fields is. You know, you got to be careful because he's usually their leading rusher every week, so don't let him get outside the pocket. He's going to be tough to stop, but I think Mike White leads the Jets to victory. I'm going 20 as well, except I'm saying 27-20 Jets. They win by a touchdown. They get to 7-4. and four. Here's some late-breaking Justin Fields news for you. According to my good friend Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune, Bears coach Matt Eberflus says Justin Fields has been cleared to practice today. This is Wednesday. We're recording this. And it's day-to-day. The team is holding a walkthrough today, and the estimation for the injury report today will be limited. Oh, that means he's going to play. God damn it. Well, unless he's on the Corey Davis timeline where day-to-day is really He is practicing on Wednesday fully. Corey Davis is back. Wow, Corey Davis. Screw it. 44-20. And the practice window on George Fant has been opened, Jake. He's practicing. What does that terminology mean? The window has been opened. Does that mean he's playing or he's not? No, he's not playing, but he's practicing. So So when you activate him from IR for practice, you have 21 days then to activate him for a game. You know, guys can't just walk back from IR and play right away, Jake. It's, it's you know, it takes a little time, at least a little time to get back in shape. Uh, I don't, I'm going to change my prediction. I'm, you know, I'm going to go with you. Screw it. I'm changing it. 30-20 Jets. We're both rocking 30-20. Oh, wow. Same score. I'm riding with Kaz. Definitely won't happen then. If <laughs> if you pick the Jets, I'm going the exact score because you never pick them. So we're riding together. Are Jets fans now going to react poorly to me picking the Jets, Jake? Or are they going to appreciate it? Because I, I feel I don't like know. either way they're going to react poorly. So yeah. We'll all right, Darrell Reeves is about to join us. You know, going to the Ring of Honor, is is he the greatest cornerback that you've ever seen and you've ever covered? Yeah, yeah, because I I never covered Deion Sanders, and I think he's the only other one that's really in the conversation with Darrell. Probably the best player I ever covered, honestly. Ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think he will be. You know, I think if there was a – if he, I think the ballot this year doesn't have a lot of first ballot guys, which helps him. I think if this was a year where he was facing Peyton Manning and Ray Lewis and all, you know, some of the guys that got in the last few years, he might have a tougher time because he doesn't have a, a great stats, Jake. Like his interception totals are not high, but that's because no one ever threw to him. <laughs> but so I think he had a greater appreciation for Ralph. You watched him than if you were from afar, but I do think he'll, he'll get in the first ballot because uh, you know, he's, he, I, there's an, there's an easy case to be made for him. Yeah, I, I loved watching Revis play. You know, I had this little jersey shirt, like I'll say to him. He took me through a lot of childhood moments. So, like, from a kid watching him to then getting to interview him on a bus that he got to now as an adult interviewing him, Darrell Revis joins Gangs All Here next. Mike Effin White. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us now on Gangs All Here podcast is one of the best cornerbacks to ever do it. A first round pick by the Jets in 2007 out of Pittsburgh, playing eight seasons with Gangrene from 2007 through 2012. And then coming back in 2015 and 2016, he won a Super Bowl with another team in the division that I won't name. And he's a member of the 2010s All 
decade team. And at Sunday at MetLife Stadium, he becomes a member of the Jets Ring of Honor. His next membership will be into Canton after that at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we suppose. It's cold, Kai, so let's take a trip somewhere hotter. How about Revis Island? Let's welcome in number 24, Darrell Revis. Darrell, welcome to Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Castella, how are you? How's post-NFL life treating you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the show. And post-life is retirement. It's fine. I'm just making my adjustments as I go. Um, I'm dabbling into, into a lot of business ventures, into art, collecting art, into real estate. So uh, it's just, it's, it's another learning curve. It's not football terminology, but I'm having fun with it. I have some great partners and we're going to continue to, to do great business. Darrell, I met you once, spoke to you once, and it was 2015, days after the Jets beat the Patriots. I'll show you the picture because it looks like a different person. I've had quite the glow up since then. Hair, you took me through a lot of my uh, memories from college, graduating high school as a Jet fan, losing my virginity, I lost my Jeez. virginity. I lost my virginity. information. The week we lost in the AFC Championship game, I remember, because it was a week before I turned 19. So a lot of childhood memories. You remember that game? I mean, this show's airing after the Jets-Patriots game, but you remember that overtime thriller and beating the Pats? Because it's been seven years since it's happened. Yes, I have. Um, it was a memorable moment, you know, not only for the organization, but for us as a team. And, you know, I think we stacked up pretty well against the Patriots that game and um, it was a lot of electric energy going on. And I remember I was just so excited to just see uh, Ryan throw the ball to to Eric Decker to, to actually seal the game. And maybe it's a clip out there on me and celebrating or I don't know what I did at the time, but it's always good to beat the, the Patriots playing in the game green. So I was looking, Darrell, I, I at your, the numbers from that year from 15. I forgot you had five interceptions that year when you came back here. What was that season like for you coming back and then kind of you guys hit sort of a magic ride there with Fitz and, and Brandon Marshall and the defense playing at a high level. What, what was that year like for you? I think it was it was great. I think uh, on all cylinders, we were on the offensive side, we were clicking. On the defensive side, we were clicking. Special teams was doing pretty well as, uh, as well. So, you know, for us, I think a lot of us had a lot of record-breaking seasons. I think Brandon, uh, he had the most receiving yards. Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, I think he was breaking some some records here or there. It was really awesome to see, you know, everybody on the team just, you know, even though collectively we're pay, playing together, but individual uh, accolades were, were there, a uh, part of that team too. So uh, I just think it was a great group of guys. When I spoke to you in that picture, when I looked like I was in a boy band, you were getting in the ride of uh, fame. You had your own bus that day. They gave you a bus. You got your own bus around New York City with your face on it. Now you're going to the Ring of Honor, which is a pretty big deal. And the next stop we expect to be Canton. Do you have your speech ready? Will there be tears shed? What are you expecting on Sunday at halftime? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I'm going to take this with stride and, you know, just try to, um, enjoy the best I can. Um, I am excited, um, but also there's there's a lot of butterflies of uh, you know being recognized as is one of the best and the hard work and dedication that you just put into this. I just think you know this is a honor that you know guys receive, and I'm, I'm happy, I'm humble for it, and. Um, I appreciate to, uh, you know, be in the ring of honor with all the other greats. Darrell, just watching you through the years in training camp and season, Jay, no one ever practiced harder than Darrell like that. Like I've told people a million times, it's, it was like crazy to watch him practice. Where did that drive 
come from throughout? Like where, where did that, where, who put that, instilled that in you and where, where did it come from, you know, coming out of Aliquippa to this, you were always so driven and, and with everything you did. I really believe um, just coming from a, a steel mill um, town and, um, you know, blue collars, very hard nose, tough people, tough neighborhood, tough community. You know, we really love football. We love sports. We, we're diehard fans of, of the game itself. And as a family, if you're watching, you know, football, the whole the entire family is watching it. Right. So even the women are partaking to watch the game. So, you know, for me, you know, when you see this growing up, you know, you kind of you kind of say, wow, is this this is a part of my my family dynamic and my identity. So for me, I just think the passion is always has always come from just seeing, you know, you know, relatives around me, people around me, and then also being able to watch games and, and watch some of the greatest players play on, on television. And um, just, I guess, gravitating to it and then really looking at it and saying, okay, what type of player am I going to be? And I just think for me, when you say, when you talk about practice, it's just really being so, uh, you know, ultra competitive and not allowing a catch, you know, even at practice, let alone be in the game. So, on Sunday. So it's just for me, it's just, I just took that on and I made that my, my DNA. I made it who I am. Boy, I remember, uh, remember Patrick Turner, Darrell, that, 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 that story comes to mind. <laughs> like Darrell would also not just practice hard. He made sure the guy across from him yeah. did everything right. Like, and, and he was going, it's Patrick Turner practice squad receiver. Wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And Darrell kind of let him know it. <laughs> my, my bad, Patrick. You know, I, I, I had to do I had to do my job. So, <laughs> Darrell, you're four years removed from retiring now. Could you see yourself playing in today's game? And are you in the shape to play? If someone said, "We we badly need a cornerback," or, or you know, we're six guys deep, some guys are hurt. Could you come back and play today? Uh, no, at this age, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were if I were to be drafted, you know, around this era, this time, oh uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think some of the greatest players in this game can play it in, in, in any era. It's just really a matter of what era you're in and what you're playing in. But I, I, I wholeheartedly I believe that you know players can play at any level. Um, the game just seems a little bit more fun now in, in, in a lot of ways. I think technology and a lot of things that that, that take place with the game and. There's so much media outlets and feeds that you can, I try to, I follow, I try to pick up on certain things when it comes to the games and whatnot and clips and stats. So for me, um, it's really fun and interesting, but yeah, I can at 37, you know, I, I don't. It's not that old. Throwing a few pounds. I probably, I probably look like a linebacker at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Position change, guys. Put him at linebacker. Yeah. Well, the the I remember when after Eric Mangini got fired here in your second year, I remember going out to Baltimore and, and talking to Rex, and he was up for the job, and he was he was pumping me for information about the the, the teams I've been. I just remember him going, "Well, I know number twenty four. I know what I got there if I get the job." What did Rex come in here? What did that do for you? And just that that first season, that two thousand nine season, was just you know, off the charts. Um, you should have been the defensive player of the year that year. Playing in Rex's system, what did that do for you? And just kind of how how nice was that marriage between you and Rex? Our, our relationship uh, was, was very close. We would have a lot of conversations one-on-one, uh, -on -one, you know, obviously in his office and throughout the building itself. Um, he would pull me to the side all the time. And we all, you know, we've always had that that good banter um, and camaraderie. You know, I, I think Rex coming from, you know, the Baltimore Ravens and 
as a defensive coordinator and, you know, him coaching some of the best defensive players, you know, in the game, you know, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, you know, Bar Scott as well. I mean, there's so many other guys that I can that I can name. But uh, those two stand out and, and and Rex, you know, believed and felt that I was I was able to um, be, you know, in that category with, with an Ed Reed or, or a Ray Lewis. So, you know, I took that challenge on, you know, I, I think that was, you know, my rookie year was with Eric, Eric Mangini and my second year. And, uh, you know, we brought Brett Favre in and, you know, that was a great, it started off great. Right. <laughs> and then. It didn't go so great. The ending wasn't so good. <laughs> yeah, the ending wasn't too good. At that point, as being a, a second player in the league, second year player in the league, and um, not really, not really knowing my ceiling as as an as a player, as an athlete, I didn't know that a, a coach can come in and kind of kind of highlight my skill set much more in a way. You know, it was like playing chess for Rex. He would put me in, in certain uncomfortable situations where I've. I rose to the challenge and raised my hand and say, Rex, I, if this is what we have to do as a defense to to win and, and compete, then this is what we have to do. So uh, I, I was I was up for the challenge. So I appreciate Rex allowing me to to uh, let my skill set evolve as I became a, a more savvier player. You played for Mangini, Rex, Shiano, Belichick, Bowles, and Andy Reid. Was Rex the best coach or at least the coach that you got along with the most that made you the best player? Was he the best defensive coach, best coach you got along with, or was it someone else? I think uh, I think all the coaches that, that I that I played under are, are obviously great coaches and Hall of Fame coaches. I, for me, I just you know I think Debon and me and Rex had is is probably one I never even you know I never had in a sense. So uh, you know that is more a little bit more special than I would say uh, most other coaches I've I, I played under. Um, but that was a time where you know I was. I was in my prime. Um, there was a there was a window of opportunity, and, and Rex was able to see that window of opportunity for us as a team. And um, you know, he put me in situations where, you know, I really had to, you know, I had I had to learn a lot of things. I had to learn that like Rex don't take me out of practice. Like I love to practice, and you know, he he would he would sit there and pull me to the side, and more so of being a coach. You know, he was there to be a friend and say, if you can, if you continue to go on this trajectory that you're going on, it will shorten your career in a lot of ways. And overall, it really did overall anyway. So um, at the time, it's hard to listen. It's hard to listen. When you're going on that type of trajectory, it's hard to stop a player and, and, and get them to turn and say, huh? And listen, it's just very, it's very difficult. I mean, we, we've seen it throughout sports itself. We, we've seen Kobe Bryant do it. We've seen a lot of guys do it. So for me, it was, I had a, I had a coach, but I also had a friend that can sit there and say, you can't practice this week because <laughs> we need to rest your legs. You're playing, your percentage of playing man coverage is, is so much and it's so intense and your body's able to hold up, but eventually it's not going to hold up. But, and so that's why I say Rex is, it doesn't matter what coach is better or not or, or championships or not. I just think Rex Ryan was was a coach and also he was a friend. Darrell, when you tore your ACL in 12 and you're coming off of that and the Jets are going through a turmoil, new GM, John Idzik comes in. Did you think you ever had a chance of staying here? Or did, do you think he had his mind made up that he, that he was trading you? And just kind of what was that time like for you when you probably when you knew you were going to probably be going somewhere else? There was a lot of speculation about uh, me being traded. So at that point, once once the news was out 
there, I kind of figured that it was a 50-50 chance, you know, of me being traded um, or, you know, or actual staying on the team. Obviously, you know, I, you know, I had the ACL tear. You know, I don't know. Maybe people in the building felt that I wasn't going to be the same caliber player uh, of having a, um, a season-ending uh, knee injury. So there, there, you know, there's no question to it. There, there could have been half doubt. Could have not been. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I was I was traded, and uh, that's how I had to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Um, at the time, was I 100%? You know that? No, I was still rehabbing. I was still trying to, you know, make the make the organization believe that I, I could still be a part of the winning process and, 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 and the, the winning culture we're trying to build here. Those things are, you know, out of my hand, and I don't make those calls, but did I want to go to Tampa? No. <laughs> no <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, those were the cards that was dealt, at, you know, for me at the time. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they, they did well by me when it came into training room and, and the staff and making sure my knee got to 100%. So uh, overall, no, I would have loved to stay. Trust me. I, I, I would have loved to stay. And there was a lot of things. There were things like, you know, well, he's in his last year of his deal. Is he going to come back and ask for it? zillion dollars and it, it was like you know at this point i don't have any much leverage so i have to obviously prove myself once again that you know i'm able i'm, I'm worth it or, or whatever you want to say but that was really it for me i just i understood the options that i had and i had to those were the cards that was dealt for me at the time and i mean you were so good that even off a torn acl at the time you got the highest paid contract in defensive history uh which is pretty incredible but did you miss that kind of spotlight and the pressure? You've talked in the past about how Tampa, there wasn't pressure like that. Like you said, you you didn't want to leave the Jets. Did you want to be a Jet for life? And did you want to be under that New York spotlight, that New York pressure where everything's bigger and, and better? You know, I, I think, you know, where, you know, for me, you know, my loyalty lies with whatever team drafted me in, and that was the New York Jets. So for me, I just felt that this was home, away from home. So, you know, I never really looked at it as, you know, a, a spotlight thing for me, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's tough love here, you know, and I, and I understand that, but I felt like the city is embracing me as a player. I embraced the city back. Constructive criticism for me has always been a part of my life, and it, that always started with my mother, <laughs> in a sense, to making sure to making sure I could fulfill my dream and chase my dream instead of being being on a street corner or getting caught in, in a situation where, you know, I can't fulfill my dream. So, you know, when it came to coaching, I'm very, I was very coachable in any way, shape or form to, to execute and do that. But for me, it wasn't, it was just more so of just bringing, trying to bring a second championship to the New York Jets. And that was always on my mindset. So just last one for me, Darrell, a couple months, you'll, they'll be voting on the hall of fame for you. And I think, you, you know, I, I would expect you're going to get in. Have you allowed yourself to think about that at all? And just kind of, we talked about the ring of honor, the next, the next levels can, right? Like there's, there's not that many guys that ever played this game that are in that. Have you let, let yourself think about that at all? What it would mean to you? It would mean the world to me in the sense of just the ups and downs, scars, the good times, the highs, the lows, you know, really coming to an organization and, and just trying to, just have a winning culture around here and win and win big. Um, so for me, you know, these are these are individual accolades, obviously. And my thing for me is I just try to do the best I can to be the best player I can be, uh, you know, and it just happened to be in New York City and playing under a microscope and playing at a very, very high level. So it's also real. I'm just taking one day at a time. 
I'm excited about uh, the Jets Ring of Honor to even be acknowledged uh, with some of the greats that, that's already in the honor, the Ring of Honor, and come Canton, Canton time and deuces and you know the voters do a great job at picking the guys for that for this class, this this upcoming class. You know, hopefully, uh, I would love to see my you know I would love to see my name, you know, in that group of guys and in, in that class. So, uh, and and it's not only just for me; it's just what I represent. It's what it's what comes behind that. It, it comes with a you know a legacy of playing in the New York Jazz and um, just getting the opportunity and just showcase, showcase my skill and talents. A couple more minutes with Darrell Rivas going to the Ring of Honor. Go to the game, get your tickets, Jets-Bears, and uh, you got to be there on Sunday to see Darrell at halftime. You know, you a guy who could be in the Ring of Honor one day with the way he's playing is Sauce Gardner, getting comparisons to you pretty quickly. And, you know, you're regarded as the greatest cornerback in Jets history, but what do you think about Sauce? You know, does it compare to you at all? Like, what do you think of his game as a cornerback? And how, you must enjoy watching this kid. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what I've heard and 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 I, I was able to see him out at practice today uh, a little bit. Seen seen um, a little film because um, I'm not glued every Sunday to everything, but some clips you see is great. I think he can be a great corner in his league. He's already on that track to do that. I believe um, there's a lot of work for him to do and uh, to actually continue this on. I mean, stringing along, you know, year after year to play at a high level and consistently. Um, for us athletes, sometimes you get around certain guys and you just, you know, they got the it factor. And I do see that in, in, in Sauce. So it's there. It's all there. It's just really for him to to really continue continue to check off his, his, his list of goals of what he wants to do. Uh, we would love to have him in the Jazz Ring of Honor one day. And looking forward to it because we're pushing – we, we, we want him to push the, the envelope, push what, what greatness is. That's what we want. So we, we love, we, we all love the game. We want to see, you know, everybody do well and excel at a high level. So, you know, for him to be a, a New York Jet great is awesome for us. It really is. Do you plan on speaking with him at all soon or have you already? Like for me personally, like, again, it's, it's like, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to be in, you know, when I played, it wasn't a lot of people in my ear. It's just, you know, you got to let guys evolve because he does, you know, have so much on his plate, even just the pressure side of it, of playing at a high level week to week. So, you know, for me, man, it's just building a relationship organically and, and naturally and letting it just evolve from there. You know, you know, if you get an interception, it's no different than other interceptions. It's all the same. It's just if there's little tips or little things to help anybody's game evolve, uh, I'm my, I'm always here. My door's always open, but at the same time, he has a style, the way he plays. He's he's a very confident player, and you can see that in his play. You can see that in his drip, too. I mean, the ice. Darrell, I want you on Ring of Honor Sunday to be rocking a chain like he has. You got got any of those in the closet? <laughs> I think that I think that time might have passed me. <laughs> <laughs> but I like his drip. I like his sauce. I like everything that, that he brings to the table because it, it seems like he's willing to, you know, to back up any hype or anything that comes with it and, and, and accept that challenge. That's what I love to see. All right, Darrell Revis getting in the Jets' Ring of Honor Sunday against the Bears. Go see it. Congrats to you in the Ring of Honor. Congrats to your daughter on uh, the National Honor Society. You must be a proud papa. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. Thanks uh, for coming on Gangs All Here, Darrell Revis. Appreciate it. Thank you, Darrell. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Losing my virginity. I lost my Jeez. virginity. I lost my virginity. Much information. 
Ah, what a great interview with Darrell Rivas. Love talking to guys I grew up watching. Always brings a smile to my face. Thanks so much to the future Hall of Famer, Darrell Rivas. And congrats to Darrell. I'm going in the Ring of Honor on Sunday. I'll be there against the Bears. Can't wait to see that. This says goodbye to episode 124 of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes you may have missed by subscribing to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you find podcasts. And subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch full episodes, clips, and shorts. Short little videos that we are putting together as well. Follow us on Twitter at Brian Cos and tweet me at Jake Brown Radio. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be with you next. First thing, Monday morning, 5 a.m. We'll drop a post-game episode after the Jets hopefully beat the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium. We'll see you at the game. Until then, we are thankful for you, the fans, for listening all season. What a year it's been. It's been the most fun season of the show. The Jets are at least have a winning record. They've been competitive all year, and I've loved being a part of this program, and I thank you, the listeners, for supporting all year. And I hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Cut up your turkey, pour your gravy, don't have cranberry sauce, stuffing a little bit overrated, but enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner, enjoy the football, and we'll see you at MetLife Stadium for Jets Bears. Have a happy Thanksgiving, folks, and thanks for listening to Gangs All Here. Mike F and Y, baby.